the woman just looked at me. And I just looked at Brendan and I was like, I can't do this. And she just went, I'm very sorry. The baby had died five days previous. But this time, my body was kind of recognising it because mm. that bleeding never mm. really stopped. You know, um, we were walking out of the the plate, the room, and the woman gave me a, a letter to go to the hospital, start the process again. Mm. And she says, um, because of the outcome, there's no charge for this. Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. You are very welcome to the Straight Talking Mental Health podcast, where, like the title suggests, we straight talk mental health. We do this to remove the stigma around mental health and generally just make it easier to talk about. This week we're straight talking miscarriages with Amy Egan. Amy's going to talk about her own experiences with miscarriages and how those experiences have affected her. My name is Cameron Clark. I'm a journalism student in Dublin. And joining me is my father. I'm his firstborn male heir, Alan Clark. Alan, would you like to tell the listeners what it is that you do? I wouldn't like to, but I will anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I am a psychotherapist with a degree in counselling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. And I'm a scurvy bollocks this morning. (laughs) Why, what's going on with you? I don't know, I walk up in bad form. Uh, Do you ever just just wake up in bad form? The the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, get out out of the wrong side of the bed. Uh, and uh, it doesn't help that this is take two. And it's not even just take two, it's take <laughs> two we after don't even know. <laughs> several hours of trying. Yeah, so we are, we, we might be doing fucking take three if things don't mm-hmm. work out tomorrow. <laughs> I suppose to let everyone in on, on, on the background. So we were recorded Thursday morning or to have Amy. Unfortunately, we had some audio difficulties with, um, with Amy's setup. So... An hour and a half trying to rectify that. That didn't help. Uh, still the same. Uh, we had been coming on. We recorded our own bit towards the morning, and even at that point, we were like, oh, "There's no energy." Now. No. Two of us were tired. We, normally, we... normally one of us is tired, and the other one carries it. And the two of us were like, "Oh, it's just not fucking on." We we just we couldn't speak. <laughs> Every sentence we put out was followed by a pause. Yeah. yeah, so we are now currently going into Saturday morning. We're now recording on Saturday morning, and I have to record. You're not available tomorrow morning, so I'm recording with Amy in the morning. Hopefully, <laughs> so it's been it's just been to make sure that we get a, just to make sure we get a, an episode out this week. So we're, we're trying. Waking up on the wrong we're side trying. of the bed didn't didn't help. No, well, I'm, I'm in slightly better form than I was on Thursday. I was just drained. Come on. Long, long week. Yeah. But, You're um, drained because. Well, I'm at that point. <laughs> now, let me go back a little bit. What day was Thursday? Mm. Yeah, so I started my new kind of college and work hours. So I'm just trying to adjust to that. It's been mm. uh, my Mondays and Wednesdays are particularly long days because I get up, I go to the gym, I go to work, then I go to college straight after. So it's like a 16, 16 ish hour day. So there's um, between traveling and working and then the time in college. So it's a long day. So mm. come Thursday, I was um, feeling the effects of it. To say the least, I was fucking exhausted. Just knackered. Yeah. I just, you know, the adjustment period is still there. It's probably going to take me a couple of weeks just to get used to the new hours. Yeah. But it means I have Luckily weekends you're young. off. <laughs> Tell you one thing, I don't feel young today. I, I played basketball for the first time last night in t- probably two years. Full game? Or just mucking around with the boys? Or? I was a scrimmage, so it was just kind of an hour of just kind of messing about but i am fucked 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for most people that don't know, because I haven't talked about this yet, I had I have very bad knees just from overworking them from playing too many sports. And when I went to the, the doctors, his advice was basically give it a lot of rest. And he gave me some resistance bands. There was some exercise to do just to kind of build up the muscle around them. Mm. Then the lockdown hit. So I had 16 months to do all that. I did do all that. So I was feeling good going in yesterday until I was about 10 minutes in. And I was like, no, nah, this, this isn't going to work. The knees mm. just shot out. It's almost like they're blue. So I think my time with sports is over. Oh, shit. Retired already? I know. I know. Fucking hell, man. Oh, no, they're, they're, it was so bad. Like this morning, I am just walking around. is so tough. Jeez, Going up and down the stairs is such a chore. It definitely is only. Yeah. But it's not like it's not like old age pain. Like, you know, there's a difference. <laughs> like when you wake up, sometimes you feel stiff. This yeah. is like just genuine pain. Like there's, there's nothing you can do for it. It's just I'm just gonna say no, no treatment or no, no not not really unless it's physio. Good could physio. do, but like I'd rather just not play sports. Honestly, <laughs> if this is if this is what I have to go through every time, I'm surprised you have time to play sports. Yeah, well, that I was hoping with the new schedule, I was hoping I would have time. That's why I went last mm. night, but no, definitely not. You used to play a lot of basketball. Yeah. On an all, all Ireland winning team. Mm. How was that your one? What year or what? No, what was it that we got fucking stayed in B&B and Cavan? Oh my God, that fucking place. That one, <laughs> no, that was that? All Ireland, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. We we stayed in this, um, it was even a B&B, it was like a, a oh, room. God. We stayed in a room in the yeah. back arse of Cavan. There was no Wi-Fi. Yeah. It was freezing cold. The shower the damp on the wall. The shower so literally like water worked. on the wall. We had no phone service either on top of that. Mm. And we were just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That was sacrifices that, you make as a parent. Was yeah, it one or two nights we were up there? Two. Was it two nights? Two it? nights because the one of the days the matches wasn't on, we had to go into town just to get fucking phone service. That's right, yeah. Then to the cinema or something, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah, sat we yeah. sat outside the cinema in the car. Just so we could get a little <laughs> bit of phone service. Yeah, like mix the motions around Kevin because that was absolutely horrendous. And then I won Best Actor at the All Ireland Finals in 2012, and that was in Kevin. So mm. two extremes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm just gonna stick with the the bad memory of Kevin. Mm. Shit. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's your that's a hundred percent of your experience. Yeah. I've got a fifty fifty experience. No, so I would I would say I don't want to um, offend the listeners in Carlo, but with the phone service there, they probably can't listen. Kevin, you said Carlo. Did I say Carlo? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so you're offending Carlo and Kevin? No, no, I, li- I actually really like Carlo. Carlo's one of my favorite <laughs> counties. Right. But yeah, sorry to the listeners in Cavan, but we don't have any. If no phone service there, they definitely can't listen to this. <laughs> I'm sure to do. If you're listening in Kevin, do let us know. Um, I know we're more likely to have many, many listeners in the UK. We'll hear from you in three Ireland. weeks by, by the time that fucking comment comes through. <laughs> Hopefully they get broadband by then. <laughs> we're all in 5G. They're still just on G. Yeah. It's, is it any wonder, like, our fucking, uh, you know, our listenership isn't great in Ireland, like, and it's big everywhere else? Because we just insult everyone. Yeah, we insult everyone everywhere. <laughs> do we? Well, maybe you don't insult the English. I do. No, no. I'm hoping something the fucking English, man. <laughs> That's their fucking biggest listenership. You're giving a fucking forty-two point one one percent of our listenership. Have some patriotism. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah. Fuck that shit. I'm not holding on to all that old shit. Like, 
fucking pass down shite of hating the Brits. <laughs> Still won't cheer for them in a in a rugby game or a football game. Like, but, you know, I don't hate the people. <laughs> oh, so how have you been? Very fun. I love London. London's one of my favourite places in the world. Weird. And your sister's over there. It's a fucking giving a life to your sister, so chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's why I don't like them. She could be here. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, how have you been anyway? <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, I woke up a scorpy bollocks this morning. Um, so I can feel myself coming around though. This is definitely helping. So that's a that's a good start. There's too many too many fucking riles. That's the problem. Oh, I had a weird dream then last night, which is related to me, which is related to me royal. <laughs> we don't want to give that up just yet. Um, oh, no spoilers. Right. No, I will because I, I've got a minor one. Okay. Um, a weird dream last night. Um, based on a couple of things. So couple of weeks ago no last week there's a Kildare Town uh, group on Facebook mm-hmm. and someone put up a post a picture from the Kildare Medical Centre of a 15 minute consultation is 55 euros if you think it's going to be more than 15 minutes you have to pay 110 euros in advance Jesus Christ so you go over 15 minutes and that's 110 euros so that was in my dream. That was my dream last night because uh, Ashling wasn't well. Yesterday I had to bring her to the primary care place in Oma. She walks in, she's seen in minutes, and she's back out. I said, "What's the story?" Oh, they'll ring me at two o'clock and uh, they'll forward the prescription down onto the chemist. So she said, "I said, what? Like, I'm like, she's like, you need to fucking, you need to switch your 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 healthcare up here, like, because because that's the prices we're paying down here." And she's like, "You put your prescriptions are free there." Aren't you? I'm like, "No." No, no, you no. pay to go to your doctor. Well, that you're probably in all likelihood you're not going to get into doctor. You're probably going to be waiting four or five days to get in there. Mm-hmm. If you ring, it's going to cost you forty or fifty euros mm-hmm. for possibly a two or three minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to pay for whatever your prescription is. She's in the NHS. See your doctor, free prescription, free. All all of that's free. So she said, "Well, just ask your man. Ask your man at reception. I just was so sorry." So your man happened to be Donegal. He was he was uh, he was uh, quite a. Well, somewhat, somewhat camp gay. And I was like, oh, hi, I was just looking, you know, I was just wondering what the story is. And first of all, he's right away. He's like, oh, I love your accent. I'm like, well, you're in the good book straight away. <laughs> are we Are we in a dream here or is this? No, this no, this, okay, was, this, this, this is what the dream was based okay, on so, okay. because I was in there yesterday. And he goes, no, I said, because I, I moved up here, you know, just, just go in. There's four doctors there. Just take your pick, see whichever one feels right for you. I'm like, is that it? He goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, for fuck's sake. So I, I commented on that piece with the doctor being 55 euros and over 15 minutes is 110 euros that you pay. And then obviously everyone's saying it's fucking horrendous. Absolutely. This is disgraceful. Someone else is saying like they moved to the town. There were two years getting on the waiting list to get in and see a doctor. Like, so to their town. Is that a COVID situation? Or is this how it's always been? No, it's always been like that. Okay. Yeah, I remember pre-COVID, I'd, uh, I'd a client. I think she was American. I think she says she was six. She'd rank 16 doctors in the area. What the fuck? Nickelair, Newbridge, Nace, any of that before she was able to get someone to take her on. Like, no, that, that's that's different to hear because like, it's, it's obviously not great in port, but like, I can call my doctor and I can have an appointment the same day. Now, it might not, no, be, I, might not be within minutes, but I will no, get one no. that day. No, not, not until there. Really? No, I rang before and it was, oh, we'll see you on Wednesday. This but now, Friday. in saying that, there's a lot of doctors in port. Yeah. Well, so maybe maybe that's, that's, that's the difference. So then uh obviously I've been up to north. Your mum was like, Oh yeah, just come on in, take your pick, four doctors there, whichever one feels right for you. Mm. I'm like, Fucking hell like So that's obviously in my in my unconscious and then I wake up or I go to sleep last night and have a dream that I'm at the doctors. I'm in there for two minutes 
this is the old doctor, Doctor Dwyer, that used to be Galeria. He was, he was good and great, very old school, traditional doctor. Um, but I was in for two minutes, and there was three other people there that he was talking at the same time. And then I walk out, and he goes, "Oh, you never paid fifty five euros." I was like, "I'm not." You know, I was only in there for two minutes, and there was four other people in the room when you were talking to me. Oh, but you still have to pay. I said, well, I'm going back in. I said, I won't be fucking 13 minutes. If you're charging me for 15 minutes, I'm going back in. I won't be 13 minutes. <laughs> so this is the fucking dream I had before I woke up. But it's based on that royal of um, the doctor's notes, mm. the, the sign up in the doctors. Like, that's fucking disgraceful. Oh, that's, that's, people, that's people that can't afford to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Sitting at home at whatever injury or problem they have because they can't afford yeah, to pay hoping, 110 hoping that it goes away because yeah. you can't afford to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And as a few people have commented, like anyone with mental health going to the doctor is not going to be able to convey that information in no. 15 minutes. No. And they're probably not. They're probably going to have to just get the doctor to give them an appointment elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I I'm definitely woke up royal after that dream mm. anyway, but a couple other little bits niggling away at me. But <laughs> but that's that that's what has me in the form that I'm in this morning and then you know we're recording again and stuff. But as I said, I can feel myself coming around. James mm. is currently being babysat by the PlayStation Five. So <laughs> I hate doing that. I hate recording when, when he's in the house. Like, I hate not giving him all that. But needs most all, all the attention. But he's he's happy out there anyway. Mm. So he, he doesn't give a shit. Mm. Uh, so that's 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 what has me in the form I'm in and the and the I just switch. I, I move me royal. I move me royal <laughs> forward. Uh, I've got a smaller one <laughs> to come later on. Oh, that this was uh, your bigger one. That that's me big royal. Okay. Yeah, but that okay. and that's what I count. You know, it just fucking seeps into the unconscious, yeah. and then I'm waking up. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So you're you're into fourth year now. You're finishing off yeah. a degree. Yeah. Thankfully, after after last week, we found out that yes, you are still a student. What's what's what are you doing now? Is it all just four tiers? How you write clickbait articles and how to misquote people and make a headline out of nothing? <laughs> is that what it is? Woodward and Bernstein has gone out the window. You know, it's funny because obvi- we've obviously had this exact conversation. Yeah. Oh, so, fucking so, blow it, so, man. So the list, right? So, so the, the listeners won't know us. As we said, we we did try record Thursday. So, so some things we're saying today we've already said. Just that bit. That's the only thing. Yeah. Fuck's yeah, sake. So just, just that, that bit. But the, la- the last time Alan said that exact same thing, I was outraged. Now you were highly offended last week. Like, no, that's that's bad journalism. What, what, no, it's just that's not what it is like. It's not, it's not like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prove so, me wrong, Cameron. Well, so, so today I'm a little bit more prepared for it. <laughs> With the energy being so low on Thursday, I wasn't prepared to be attacked like that. Yeah, you were. Your profession was being called into question. <laughs> But not today. So you move, you've moved beyond Woodward and Bernstein then, which is still taught, still the still taught, no, still, still, still the icons of the industry. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know Woodward and Bernstein, all the president's men, if you've seen that movie, they wrote the the road road Watergate. So every something gate that you hear now, golf gate, wedding gate, all of this sort of stuff, is all based on Watergate, which was the Watergate Hotel, where it was the Democratic offices, wasn't it? Yes. And then so Woodward and Bernstein with Mark Phelps. Mark Phelps was it Mark Phelps was Deep Throat from the FBI. He was feeding them information and basically they brought down Richard Nixon. Yeah, they took took, Nixon, took took down Nixon the whole government as journalists. Yeah. And that and was kind of the start of journalists realizing they could be more than just news reporters yeah, telling the weather than, and the boring shit. Right. And and writing on whatever was war at the, the Met Gala. Yeah. Well, they're still doing <laughs> that to, now. To, trying there's, to make an article out of that. There's, there's, there's good well, money the in fast the fashion, fashion industry. Journalism. Yeah. 
good money in that yeah. if you're yeah. doing it right. So career back on track, thankfully. Yeah. More sociable hours, but makes for a couple of harder days Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. Which I, I can take. I would I'd rather take um I'd take These four guys. kind of busy days and three days off rather than just seven exactly and a half yeah. half busy days where you can't really plan anything. Yeah. So we like in short term pain, long term gain, just get it over and done with. That's yeah. my motto. So we, we try to record our own bit Thursday morning and usually the guests will follow up just shortly after that. So kinda of by one o'clock or two o'clock we're done. Mm. But occasionally, when when we have I'm usually recording, when, when, yeah, <laughs> they're still editing. <laughs> yeah, but typically when we have to record an interview with someone abroad, like in the states, we have to record late, evening late on Thursday. So we do our bit Thursday morning, and then we do the interview Thursday evening, which means our kind of Thursday is is gone because we have yeah. to be home yeah. to record again. Yeah, but that's what happens when we get all the so all the listeners and guests from the states or anything from the other side of the world. Please do jump on Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, we'll, we'll take us all. Sri Lanka, Thailand, anywhere. Yeah, we've been very <laughs> Just Western. That accounts lately. for the time difference. Yeah, we want yeah, we nature. want to we want to broaden our horizons. We want to see what's like over in the east. Well, at least we've gone same time zone. Yeah, because uh, Anne Marie was local. Um, Amy's local. Hopefully, <laughs> we're still fingers crossed that the fucking interview she, goes ahead. She might have to go somewhere else. <laughs> there, there'll be scrambling. <laughs> there will be scrambling. Otherwise, tomorrow, so recording tomorrow morning, and then all tomorrow will be fucking editing and sorting everything out. So, see, the issue is now is yeah, I've got a couple of days off, but it means like my midweek there, I have no room to record whatsoever if we have to fill something in. Like, ev- everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is on like a pinpoint schedule, yeah. Because even when we yeah, even when we tried to record on Tuesday or Thursday, sorry, when Amy was coming on, I was like, right, no, this this has to go very smoothly so I can make yeah. it time to go to work. And it and even you were like, yo, I need smoothly. to be I need to be gone. I need yeah. to be gone by half twelve. I might just dip out. I was like, yeah, that's that's grand if you need to do that. Yeah. So basically, two hours then. I was like, two hours for thirty minutes, and our thirty minutes was shit because yeah. we're all tired. And even <laughs> as soon as we finished our bit, we were like, uh, we yeah. we weren't even sure we if were, we could we put were, that. We were out. trying to get Amy on, and yeah. the two of us were like. Jesus, we need to get the energy up. Like, yeah. we can get the game face on. Just none of us. There's nothing in the tank no. with either of us. And then eventually, so. we just came to the conclusion that we'd uh, redo it. Yeah, have a look. Maybe, maybe the maybe it worked out for the best. Yeah, probably. Mm. So that's that's the check in with what what's been going on with us and all of that. That we had Anne Marie last week. What a story! It was. Fucking hell. How do I put? It was it was a very hard listen, but a necessary one. Yeah, I suppose yeah. is the easiest way to put it. Like as you can hear, it's it's one of the the rare episodes that we have to put a trigger warning in because usually we can't really we can't decide on what triggers and what yeah. doesn't trigger people. Yeah. So we you we tend to avoid it. But this was one of the episodes where even we were triggered by it. You'll hear it yeah. in the interview. We we get quite upset, and Alan particularly gets very angry. <laughs> oh, fucking right! I just I just kind of realizing how recent the story is. So I'll go back and listen, but this is 1984, unmarried mother, forced to give up her child for adoption, gets sent away, quotation marks, to stay with a family where she's basically living, help, a maid as she's pregnant, knows nothing about being pregnant, there's no sex education in school, goes to the hospital, matron slaps her on the arse for screaming while giving birth, telling her she got herself into this so she can get herself out of it, comes out, social workers are no fucking use to her mm. at all. And she goes the rest of her life then carrying the shame of that experience. 
And even yeah, even at the end of all that, she doesn't get her. We obviously don't want to spoil it. She doesn't get her happily ever after ending. Yeah, it's not the fucking Disney movie. She does. Yeah. She does reunite with her son, and but that's that comes with its own with its own difficulties. Yeah, it's it's not all so, it's not all cheery and jolly. It, there's definitely a mix of good and bad feelings about the whole thing. Yeah, you as soon as we were finished, you were like, "I think that's our best episode we've yeah. ever done." Straight because me, lady. myself, and Alan didn't speak for the first thirty-five minutes of the interview, which was great because we had fucking audio difficulties last yeah. week. Uh, so what happened was, um, I had to I had to record a separate thing. You weren't even aware. I was like, I, I need to put in a little warning beforehand mm. uh, to say we had some audio difficulties. So the the software we use for so that we can record remotely, it has a brilliant option that if you're not using headphones, you you tell when before you log into our studio, it tells you that an option of I am or I am not using headphones. If you're not using headphones whatever way it manipulates the audio it, it's so that our audio doesn't feed back twice. So obviously Anne-Marie will say, listen on her laptop. So coming to her laptop speakers, she hears us and she's speaking to us. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be a slight delay, which means as we're hearing her, we're also going to hear our own audio back. So I think what happened was Anne-Marie selected that she was um, listening with headphones, headphones yeah. when she wasn't using headphones. And there's pieces then where you hear our audio. So I was having to cut that out. I was just grateful that Amory spoke at length at the start where it was a lot less to cut out. A lot of the banter got lost. Mm. So where there was laughter and so we were talking over each other and because I had to give priority to one or the other. Yeah. So sometimes you hear us kind of as very thin on on Amory's recording. Sometimes you don't hear Amory because it doubled up over what we were saying. Yeah. So. Kind of killed the vibe, kind of killed the dynamic on it, but it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing episode. The thing that struck me was that's a story we've heard. Imagine what we haven't heard. Yeah, like there, it's very possible there's stories out there that are a lot worse in that situation, oh, yeah. like for some people. Yeah, it's all, and look, it's all relative. And Marie's yeah. experience was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Oh, it was Jesus. Fucking yeah. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd still love to hear of anyone that, you know, may have been in one of the mother baby homes just to hear what that was like. Mm. If anyone out there knows anyone or would like to get in touch, please do. Hello at stmhpodcast.com or any of the social media. Um, so speaking of the social media, we did have some, we did have some feedback on, on Amory's episode. Orla, Orla comments regularly enough on her Facebook page. My heart goes out to you, Amory. I wish a healing and happiness. I think Anne-Marie is on her is on her way to healing. Mm. Don't know if she'll ever fully get there, but she's certainly she's definitely on her way. Anyway, you can hear that in how she talks about it. I know she did get emotional. I know she was crying at one point, um, but she held it together like a fucking champion. Like, well, when you think about what it was she was talking about, and yeah. how, and even just the fact that she could continue to talk about it, yeah, but she, you know, and that's therapy, and that's processing, and that's healing. Yeah, you know, that she's able to, she's able to get through that. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Hugh Jazzburger, not his real name, given the DiCaprio meme as a profile picture. <laughs> um, uh, his his comment on Facebook again around around the episode, brilliant. What our society put her and thousands like her through makes me sick. A stain on Ireland, and the Catholic Church took over where the Brits left off. Our our episode was so good that we made a troll account get deep into his own thoughts about it. <laughs> no, we definitely we definitely did not. But yeah, he's right. Catholic Church took over where the Brits left over in in power and controlling, controlling the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think as you said it wasn't uh, you asked the question I know I know you were charged you were looking to go fucking let me at the Catholic yeah. Church and you're like just let me it's like is that Catholic but it was a Catholic organisation mm. and a lot of the and a lot of it was informed by the by the Catholicism of the time uh, I, no I'm not I'm not going to get into it again because I got into it yeah. last week oh. I don't we don't need to go two weeks in a row on my opinions on religion and no. the Catholic Church no so that's that's just someone that's that's some of the feedback that we got on Facebook from from our episode of Amory last week mm-hmm. how can people get us onto social media camp well there there's is, a fucking segue there, like that man there, like that? there is several on? ways someone can do this several several very good so yeah. you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at straight talking mental health you can find us on Twitter at STMH podcast that's our new Twitter handle mm-hmm. and much like that is our website STMH.com and you can find no! it. <laughs> oh my god. You did it and you did it on Thursday as well. Fuck's sake. <laughs> and much like that, STMH podcast, Twitter handle, much like that, this is not our website. No. <laughs> our website is I'm gonna go STMH. again. STMH. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. STMHpodcast.com. You've hit a you've just hit a wall on that now. Yeah, no, you're every, every, every you're time, be watching that every week. Every fucking time. And I wouldn't mind it. I have it in front of me. I'm reading <laughs> it like it. Uh, you weren't. You were looking off. You were. You were freestyling there because I was going to say, "Oh, jeez, you weren't even reading that." But no, but it is in front of me. Yeah, like yeah, you just was, weren't looking. Yeah. At it. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> stmhpodcast.com and the email hello at stmhpodcast yeah. if you want to get get us with some feedback. If you'd like to hit us up around covering a certain topic, if you'd like to come on and be a guest. That's how you can do so. Slide into the DMs, hit us up on any of those. Don't say you can't get us. We're easily got. Yeah, there's plenty of ways. You can even, you can contact us directly if you feel that's what you want to do. Yeah. We're not going to plug our own social medias, but if if you do find us, because I've been found by a few of the listeners. Have you? Yeah. Well, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it. they're from the listeners because they're only, the only people that follow that I follow is the podcast. Oh, right, so I'm assuming that, I'm assuming that's where it comes yeah. from. Well, give them some fucking quality, man. Must be Twitter. You're not you're not too big on Instagram, are you? No. Well, no. you're not big on Twitter anyway. You're no. not big on social media, full stop. No, no. When yeah. when I'm in kind of the college year and I have to be, I'll do it. Other than that, I just kind of yeah stray away from the whole thing. Anyone that follows me, I apologize. <laughs> Alan's very <laughs> Alan boring. is very big on social media. <laughs> yeah. Alan's very active on social media in comparison I to don't I. Post a lot. No. No. Probably post more than I, I do. That. Yeah, but, so uh, that wouldn't be fun. No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think I think when it comes to the the social media plug now, every time I get to Twitter and website, I'm just gonna fuck it up yeah, now. Yeah, in my yeah, yeah. own head about you're it. Just done it now, yeah. Yeah. It's the same when you're in rehearsal or you're doing a play, once you hit that stumbling block, you overthink it then the next yeah. time and obviously that means you're gonna make a mistake again. Yeah. So yeah. Let's see how you get on next week. Oh no, I'm I'm because we alternate, we alternate the intros mm. uh, and and the hosting. So we'll see how we go in two weeks time. Yeah, well, plenty time to practice. Now that we've That's got our that out of the way, should we uh, yeah. maybe hit some smiles and royals? Let's hit, let's hit some smiles and royals. I got into me big royal there. That was that was me. That was me carryover. I just brought it forward because it, it fed into me waking up on the wrong side of the bed and yeah. scorpy bollocks more so than usual. Yeah, well, let before anyone says anything. <laughs> No, 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 no! I'm, I'm being nice today. You know, you're Scorpio. Jeez, don't, don't want, don't want to attack you too much today. You might, you might leave the podcast. Yeah. Fuck! I gotta tell you, man. Ling, you know, thoughts, thoughts hovering in my head. Fuck off! No, it's not. Head. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking work, man. It's mm. a lot of work for no return. Mm. It's so fucking disheartening. Now, look on the other side of that. I'll get into it in my smiles, but it's so disheartening. Like, no, I know it's what so, you mean. So disheartening. Trying to plug it. Trying to. 
chasing guests, you know, so, and it's, it's it's a feast or a famine. Like sometimes we have three or four weeks of guests lined up, like which we currently do. We're tr- we're just trying to figure out dates to get them lined up. Yeah, and then sometimes you're scrambling up yeah. to the up to the last minute, like, and it's it's just it's very disheartening. Mm. And then as you know, as we finish with the social media plugs of trying to get people to share, like, comment, and they just don't, mm. and they're like. The fuck are we doing? Like, yeah, you know, no, I get what you're saying. I, I get into it and me smile, which has helped to help to bring me back a little bit on it. But yeah, I have been, I have been weighing up the the pro effort in dogs. versus reward out. Yeah, and that's that's how I weighed up music. That's how I weighed up acting. Um, so keep going, keep going. Okay, well let let's maybe push past and get into your your small royal. My small royal. Um, uh, we spoke about Australia before, where you're hopefully fucking off to. Mm. <laughs> I don't mean that just to get rid of you. Like, but... <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you know, get, get out of my fucking sight, will you? <laughs> Sick of fucking coming in, not making your bed when you stay. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving fucking towels all over the place. <laughs> hey, you left towel all no, over the place I, this time. I left that one out for you. On the floor? No, I left it there. Yeah, oh, there was... I just went. I just threw it in there for you. Oh, it was on the floor. <laughs> it fell on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> there was an earthquake. Uh, we hope everyone over in Australia is all right. You know, we're, you're one of our biggest listenerships. You're our fourth biggest listenership. You're ranked number four. There was an earthquake over there recently. Mm, did you see that? I did. Mm. Comment on. I can't find it. It was going. It's going so far back. Comment on social media. And this was like, fuck me. You just cannot fix stupid. How convenient that it happened when there was a planned anti-lockdown protest about to happen. <laughs> yeah, With the implication that the government... For, and then all these comments of how there's weather manipulation and all this kind of stuff, like... And I'm just like, fucking hell, like, seriously. Do you remember Do you remember Arrow, the, the show about yeah, Green yeah, Arrow? Yeah. This is Malcolm Merlin yeah, that, the that. first season. He has a, a man-made earthquake machine. Oh, really? The, the Australian government obviously got... Their hands on that. Obviously, got a hold of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And are now setting off earthquakes to stop the anti-lockdown protests. Yeah, so it's just like Jesus, right? And everyone's like, "Oh, you know that person's entitled to their own opinion." No, they're fucking not. Yeah, you're entitled to say it, but you're not fucking entitled to it. not be ridiculed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to hold up of going, "Oh, this is an anti-lockdown fucking protest." The government created an earthquake, so instead of taking a few fucking uh, lads coming out waving placards. Not wearing masks. We're going to destroy buildings. Let's do millions of fucking dollars yeah. worth of damage here. That'll show them. Yeah. Does Australia get hit with many earthquakes? Rip, I feel like I've no, never heard no, of it before. No, apparently not. And like it was very, very. I think low. it was a six. It was yeah, six, six, yeah, six Like that's yeah, that's it's not a weak earthquake by any means. No, significant. Yeah. So um, that's me, Ryle. What do you want to do? Do you want to go, Ryle, Ryle, smile, smile? What way, what way are we going here? Yeah. Well, I kind of said the same on Thursday that my Royal is kind of like I don't know it's like a bubbling Royal I feel like, yeah, every, oh yeah, I feel like every, yeah. everyone's got this Royal but yeah, it's, um, the current housing crisis situation in Ireland so for anyone outside of Ireland it's I actually heard it on the radio the other day it's impossible to get a house under a hundred thousand euro that is habitable so you could no, you, no you could get one for under a hundred thousand but you'd have to put Probably that Probably again, the same again yeah, yeah. into making it a livable house. And even at that, you're not getting a good house. And it's probably yeah. going to be and in a very shit location. Arsehole of nowhere. Yeah, where you're yeah. probably not going to have much service. You're going to have to drive to get anywhere. Yeah, no problem. And our Tanishta, which is 
deputy prime minister. Yeah, so it's kind of because I looked it up yeah. after after Thursday. Yeah. So for <laughs> what the fuck is the Donald? So for the American listeners, it would be kind of similar to the vice president in a way. Like that'd be kind of a close comparison. Yeah, it's yeah. the only comparison we we can come up with. Yeah, but he kind of be, I suppose, second in command to the the Taoiseach who kind of heads the government. Well, given how fucking vociferous Leo Faradkar is, you'd think he was still yeah. the Taoiseach. So, so because there's... Uh, what, what's the what's the word for the government? Um, it's an amalgamated. It's, they didn't have enough numbers to make up, so... A coalition. You know, Fine Gael, a coalition. Yeah. I couldn't fucking think of the word. And they're taking turns of being Taoiseach. Yeah. Faradkar had his go already. Now he's taunting. And in fairness to Faradkar, when he was Taoiseach, he did handle COVID well enough, as well as can At be expected. Time. Yeah, but then, yeah, but then he yeah. stepped down his taunish and it all just kind of... Even though he was still kind of making the rules, it kind of went to shit. But yeah. Leo Varadkar, our that came out and said another man's income or one man's income is another man's rent. And then basically came out and said that a livable wage is impossible at the moment so soon after the pandemic. So what he basically said was people in Ireland aren't going to get a livable wage because the yeah. cost of living here for some reason is so high. Yeah. Which has never and made that's sense. Not gonna, that's not going to come down. No. Oh, no. Now, when like the demand here. for everything goes back up after the pandemic, it's going to soar. It's probably going to get a lot higher. Oh, yeah. 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 All those prices, well, you know, getting your hair cut, hotels. Yeah. That's not coming down. Yeah. And in fairness to those people, they're going to be saying, well, you know, we have a year and a half of, of income lost out yeah. and we need to, we need to. But ultimately, it's it's the public that, that miss out. Yeah. We're the ones that are going to have to fucking pick up that. Yeah, so if if you're just everything's going on. or single or both, you're you're not moving. You're not living on your own. No, you're not moving out. The only way you can you can get somewhere now is if you have a partner to live with or you find some housemates. Mm. You you essentially cannot live on your own unless you're. I'd say probably the least you could be is thirty and have been saving well for your your life. Oh, you you need a, a strong strong income yeah. to be able to live. To be able to live. Like you probably you probably do need ten years of solid saving behind you mm. to get somewhere livable. <sighs> so I was living on my own at nineteen. I moved I moved in with my cousin at eighteen. I was living on my own at nineteen. Yeah, different story back then. That's mental, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But I think um well it's been about fifteen years maybe since this has been housing crisis. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. and the rest of it. So the boom. Going back to the sort of what's that? That's pre two thousand and eight. Yeah, let's let's get away from these fucking royals. Yeah, <laughs> I woke up in the bed, wrong side of the bed as was. <laughs> I'm trying to shift away from that. <laughs> Give us a smile. Well, I think kind of my whole situation at the minute is a smile. You know, just the whole situation being. I've got the new the new work schedule, which does leave me busier, but it gives me more time off. I'm a student. Two more so- sociable I, hours. Yeah, I'm a student again, and I now have weekends off for the first time in close to five years. So you can go on the fucking sash down in Waterford, like you did last week. Yeah, yeah, but that was a Monday. It wasn't even the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go, pure fucking student. Yeah. <laughs> and you went with my. It's it's interesting because you went with young stuff, and I mm. used to hang around with old stuff. Yeah. And if young stuff can fucking drink anything like old stuff, you are fucked. Yeah. Do no, not go around. No. I, Do not go around with that person. No, I don't. I don't think young stuff is quite as capable as his. Uh, oh man. His father. I'll never forget one. One of the only times I've ever vomited was when I went drinking with with stuff. And it used to be Gregory's Tavern in Calair Town. We used to be a great pub and used to do a cocktail called a Good Looking Fuck You. And myself and myself and stuff used to drink them. And we were going around. Clergy, I'd have I'd have a quarter of a gun, and he'd be like, Clergy, he's going up to the bar. Another one. 
fuck's sake and it's my round I'm, I'm still finishing the first one <laughs> i've got a full one but now it's my round so i had to go up and buy him and i was like oh i woke up the next morning i puked me fucking ring the only time i got sick from drinking so i'll let that be a lesson because <laughs> <laughs> big stuff could put him away well i didn't get sick anyway that's that's good man i actually felt okay the next day yeah when i when i don't drink pints like i'm fairly yeah, tolerant yeah. of alcohol pints just kind of give me a hangover whether i'm drunk or not so the schedule affords you the opportunity to go out drinking down the waterford on a monday night what's it well, stay down there you got friends down there yeah or? i've got friends there. well the, see i didn't start college until until tuesday so the schedule actually doesn't allow for that it just did last week <laughs> it just did it no early. now it's if i want to go to waterford it has to be at the weekend no all right. <laughs> yeah so that's your smile any other smiles no no one to one you know you know the yeah. story all right all right one of mine yeah all right give you me smile i'm hoping i'm hoping to end on a high note had a client start and I, I told him, I told him during the week he's going to make me smile. Um, had a client start off the back of the podcast. He's in the UK. Uh, he has driven a lot of lot of traffic towards us as he told us the impact that the, as I had a session with him. I've had two sessions with him in the first session. He said to me, how are you fucking guys not bigger? Like, You have no idea the fucking job that you're doing and the impact you're having on people's lives. And I said, I do not know. I wonder that myself. But the podcast has had a huge impact. He's worked his way through the entire back catalogue. Um, and he's told people around it. And as he said, he told a friend of his, his friend went to walk the dog for half an hour. He ended up walking around for three hours listening to the podcast as he listened to it for the first time. So the podcast has had a huge, huge impact on this person's life. Um, and we know of other people that have gone into therapy. We know people are alive. And as disheartening as it is, you know, in, in trying to promote it, when you hear when you hear things like that, it's like, I'll take it. It might it might not be the biggest podcast in the world, but we definitely have an impact on people. Yeah, yeah. So if we're gonna take something from it, we can at least take that. Yeah, just gotta fucking figure out some way of just. Well, we have we have to be doing something wrong. I don't know what it is. Well, but we're not, has- I, I can tell you. I can tell you exactly what the problem is. We we don't sell ourselves. Just, That's the problem. If you look at any of these fucking celebrities, this this really this really pisses me off. And we, myself and Pete spoke about before of the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect in psychology is more intelligent people underestimate their intelligence because they know how much they don't know. Less intelligent people don't know what they don't know, so they think they know it all. So you take these celebrities coming out and speaking on this and you know doing podcasts on it or writing books on it. They haven't a fucking clue. They can speak on their experience and that's it. Mm. The likes of myself with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of client hours study this stuff you know trains in this stuff constantly but i know what i don't know i think i don't i wouldn't know nearly enough to write about that like mm. but i know more than those people mm. and the same with these people of they they just have the hard neck they just will contact the paper selling themselves and that's that's where we fall short mm. because we can't sell it and it, it's a bit fucking uh uh, you know, you might as well be giving yourself a hand job, like, because you're going around trying to tell people how great you are. Mm. When what we really need is someone else to tell everyone how great we are. <laughs> we, need to, we need to hire a celebrity. Little, we're a little bit too modest on it, I think. Mm. But then that's the frustrating as well, because we get a lot of people. We get people with you know big social media followings, and every every time it's like, oh, this is great. You said to give a share on this now, we can, uh, you know, we you know we get some big numbers off that. They don't share it. See, generally the people that we have, we get that are big, aren't like social media 
Active. Nah, some of them have. We've had fucking people with like 25, 30,000 followers on Facebook pages and stuff like that. Mm. But they don't want to. And, and I said to Pete, like, what's going on? I said, I can tell you exactly. It's the same as therapy. People are happy to avail of the service, but they don't want to admit to it. Mm. They don't want to say, because they're, they're, they're portraying a certain persona. That mm. this is this is what they're like and then they don't want to be they don't want people to know actually the suffering mm. that goes on one one of the biggest supporters we had was marco lynn the one person was like oh they're not going to give us anything you know we're no fucking sort of podcast of them and they, they gave constant shares mm. and it was like and it had a huge impact on the numbers for that for that episode but when you take wins like that of you know this individual um oh <laughs> i nearly forgot he said tell cameron to fuck off leave the long episodes alone who said so people need those <laughs> we need to listen to them who said this <laughs> this, the, this client that listens to oh. the podcast he said if you want a 50 minute or an hour long session book an appointment with alan <laughs> <laughs> for that, said, for some, that people price. Need, some people need the longer <laughs> some people need the longer episodes <laughs> that are, they're just they're just trying to milk you for your for your yeah. free knowledge ah uh, well look it's good it was nice uh, you know it's nice to get that feedback and mm-hmm. the impact and you know this person's a strong supporter and you know if, and he said like he said if you could if you could see in your statistics you would see a huge jump in that in that locality for for the people that he tells about it and mm. you know he said he's opened up he said i'd never talk about mental health before i'm opening up i'm talking to people about it and which is the point of know, the podcast absolutely yeah so you know if there is other people out there like that, please do tell us because it gets quite fucking as <laughs> We need the ego <laughs> so, boost. I, I, I just, I just need a few wins, you know. Mm. You know, just instead of fucking chasing it constantly. Uh, look, so we're we're, go- we're gonna get moments like these where we're just yeah. going through some downs. Like we we kind of talked about it. We didn't talk about when we recorded, but we did talk about it last week when we were chatting that it's kind of been disheartening lately because some of the episodes took a bit of a dip. Mm. And so, like when when we see moments like that, it does get to us. But then we get the nice comments, or we get an episode that does well, and it kind of boosts us back up again. Yeah, yeah. Like Billy, Billy started out really, really slow. I'm saying to be, it must be because it's a long one. But then it jumped. Then it took a huge jump. Oh, did it jump? Days later, yeah. It okay, so, we, yeah, so, so the last time the stats we are, are dependent on when the episode is finished. Yeah. So the last the last time we yeah. spoke, it was obviously before that because oh, it, ha- yeah, it, ha- it hadn't it was jumped really at the time. Really low. Yeah. Yeah, it was really. It was low. yeah. Considering what we were expecting for it, it was, it was low. Yeah, but it it, it took a, it took an upturn then, which was which was good. So you know we do we do need a few wins <laughs> because just you sacrifices of this you know I just look here particularly for you again. like yeah. I I, I yeah. sacrifice a couple of hours every week or may, maybe sometimes four if we have to do a double recording or something like this happens but mm. you're the one that has to edit it I and edit do all it, the so graphics yeah. and all so it it definitely takes more time out of out of your week yeah and look it costs me money mm. you know it actually costs me money because a lot of the times some of the times I don't get to do any of the the episode doesn't go up until the Monday morning. Mm. I've been approached twice about teaching workshops and I had to turn them down because they were on a Monday morning. Mm. Um, I was approached about playing the lead role in the play, turned it down. I just knew I wouldn't have the time with the podcast. Mm. And then I was begged to do a smaller, uh, to do a smaller role. Again, I just don't think I have the time to do it. So there's the financial sacrifices, just the time sacrifices. Um, and just the things just, you have to give up to, to, to do it. Mm. And, that's what I'm saying, like, you know, what, what's been put in versus what's coming out of it. And thankfully that, you know, stories like that client, you know, have really helped. Mm. But you yeah, need a few more of them. Yeah. yeah. It's quite disheartening. Look, we'll, we'll get there. 
there's just we'll soldier on we persevere yeah, this is our 70th episode so is it 70 this is 70 oh, yeah. yeah so that is all my smiles all your riles all your smiles all my riles yeah i think we we got, we got through it eventually this is a little bit longer than we normally talk but we we did get there yeah. Yeah, we can cut it, but again, we're dependent on what we're going to, uh, how long Amy will, mm. will go for, and we can, and I will cut out accordingly. Yeah, I do like to try and get around the ninety-minute mark. So, but sometimes there's a bit more in it, and that's okay. Yeah. So this week on the podcast, we are talking to Amy Egan. Amy has gratefully accepted the invite to come on, and she is going to talk about miscarriage, a huge impact on mental health. Uh, something not spoken about kind of can be, in my experience from talking to clients, can be something that's very easily dismissed by other people that have not gone through it. So, first of all, this morning, as we go take two talking to you, Amy, how are you doing? Hi, Alan. Thanks a million for having me on. No problem. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, good. A few technical issues to start off with, but we're here. <laughs> the main thing. Myself and Cameron re-recorded our own piece yesterday, so myself and Cameron then were like, well, we may be re-recording our own piece at fucking tonight <laughs> thankfully we don't have to because we've got yourself on here now amy we come on with the topic of uh, miscarriage before we get into that can you just tell us a little bit of about your own background yeah so basically i am the youngest of six kids the baby um i'm the baby which absolutely. baby were you were you the baby that was spoiled or were you the baby that no one gave a fuck about because like ah there's loads more ahead of you <laughs> Oh, the baby that was spoiled oh, yeah, rotten. Yeah. The next in age to me is 10 years older. Yeah. So I was a massive oh, surprise. Wow. And an accident, I was told, on a few occasions. Um, but <laughs> a pleasant accident. But I literally, I came along and I put a massive shake-up in the family and I milked it. <laughs> did you have the, the older siblings? Were they, were they like uh, parental figures to you as well? Or did they not give no. a shit about you because there was too big a big No, they gap? bet me up and bullied me terrible. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. And they're honest about yeah. it. Yeah. They're very honest. It's, fun, it's funny in, in families how these family jokes, and I use quotation marks, um, of, oh, you're the accident, or no one wanted you, you know, all yeah. this kind of stuff that... You know, as at a yeah. young age, everyone else is going, ha, 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 we're like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> That's it. Like, it's a running joke in our family that because there is such an age gap and because I always got my own way and they didn't because there was five of them mm, very close mm. in age, that they got me. I was wearing a pair of dungarees one day and they got me and they hung me up on the presses in the kitchen and just left me there dangling. <laughs> and it's a running <laughs> joke in our family. Laugh, like, but Jesus Christ. I'm nearly 41 and that joke is still running to this day. What age at the time? Uh, about three or four. Oh fuck, Jesus! Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is what fourteen-year-olds at least. Anyway, so there's ten, eight, ten year Oh, gap. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's there's there was five kids in six years. Mm. So they were very close in age. So they were like a little little gang. Irish twins. Up on me. Irish quint oh, quintuplets. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, they were different. Yeah, yeah. Did that did that family background did that inform your own desire then to have? To have kids or the desire to have a lot of kids given coming from a biggish family yeah i suppose the fact that there was six of mm. us um i've always just there's always just been a lot of people around mm. but because of the age difference like my brother is the next to me and he's 10 years older so i always kind of felt like i kind of grew up on my own because of the age gap mm. and just because of all the stories that they used to talk about and all the divements mm. that they got up to I kind of felt like I wanted that for my own kids and I always wanted them to have company for each other. Yeah. So I always kind of had this idea in my mind that I'd like a good few kids, you know, three, maybe four, if if possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, obviously, uh, well, as I know, I suppose to let everyone know how we do know each other, we do and don't know each other. People mm. would have heard me talk about Brendan on the podcast as my as my golf buddy. You are Brendan's partner, oh, right. um, yeah. And so we've never actually met. Um, no, I've, I've contributed to your Bernardo. Was it Bernardo? She were doing a walk for. Yeah, yeah we had a, we had yeah. Marie on last week. She was talking about uh, adoption and Bernardo's have a after post adoption care for adoptees and parents that have given up children for adoption um, and that was just yeah. coincidentally we're doing a walk for her what was it or what did I give you money for yeah, tell me what yeah. I give you money for <laughs> <laughs> it was a 5k charity mm. run it was on the 10th of September and uh, obviously did you do it? everyone can't get together <laughs> oh of course I did it <laughs> You've seen the pictures I've been up, I did it. I can't see the pictures, they're not friends with you, because we only barely know each other. Well, that's very true, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think Brendan shared it, and then he yeah. kind of felt bad and went, so I, like, I sponsored that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I did it, absolutely. Good, good. And again, is this is this that affinity with children, uh, you know, of all of all places you could have done it for? Bernardo's work yeah, with children? Yeah, I suppose so. Like, kids and cancer, I think, are two very, very... Um, charities that are close to my heart mm-hmm. um i've lost a couple of family members to cancer and uh children obviously my my quest to have a family yeah. so i suppose yeah. when i've seen the the charity run coming up and of course brendan tagged me and i th- didn't think i did mm. so i was like well, I can't have that. <laughs> so, um, i'll show you it i think i've opened the shame i said i think i sponsored it for a bit more than he did <laughs> Absolutely, put him into shame. He was. He I fucking said that. I said that thing. It's like, oh, yeah, Amy's doing a thing there, and I'm after sponsoring her. And uh, and so I had to see. I go and play a fucking golf for Brendan. He'd be giving out to me, going, "You're making me look fucking shit now." Absolutely, and he did. He looked. <laughs> I don't know how much he gave, but need to fucking up your game, Brendan. Need to up your game, buddy. <laughs> Not just on the golf course. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you said, that that quest for kids was you know from a young age. Some people are kind of. You know, from a young age to go, yeah, no, I want kids, and you know, determined for it, or was it later in life where it was just like, yeah, presume we'll have kids? No, to be honest with you, it's something I've wanted from when I was young enough. I'd say, like, my best mate, for who has been my best friend since school, she's always said she just always remembers me wanting kids. Mm. And my two older sisters both got pregnant very young, and uh, so did my mum back in the day. And mm. um, so for me, when I got to like 19, 20, 21 and I wasn't pregnant, mommy was delighted going, God, I got one of you is right. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get pregnant young. Mm. Um, but then I, so I suppose I spent my 20s making sure I didn't get pregnant until I had everything in place, you know, and I met the right father for my mm. kids. Um, and then I spent my 30s trying to get a baby here safely. Mm. You know, it's amazing kind of, you just presume, you know, when I decide I'll get pregnant the pregnancy will be fine and I'll have kids. Mm. And that's what I assumed, yeah, like a lot yeah. of people, to be quite honest. Yeah. And um, what age were you then when you decided, all right, let, let's go for this? What, what did, you know, you got Brendan drunk, obviously, and seduced him. To be him honest, and... the <laughs> uh, were after having, they were after um, having a baby and I was kind of going, right, I was kind of, I was 34. The biological clock, as they talk about, was taken away. And Did you feel some pressure around that? You know, as you said, the biological clock. Yeah. People don't see how you say it, but you know, what did, did oh, you no. feel that kind of pressure? You know, even at thirty-four, of yeah. okay, the clock is taken. Well, that's it. as soon as you turn thirty-five, it's classed as a geriatric pregnancy, Jesus. and that's what they actually say to mm. you in the hospital. Oh, this is a geriatric pregnancy. You're like, but that's changed. I mean, Jesus, well into the forties, people are easily having kids now. Like, 
And that's it. But anything over 35, they still, like, my daughter is nearly four and they still class it as a geriatric pregnancy, you know. But I did, I felt it, and I, I felt it in myself as well. Because you hear all of these stories and you, you read books and they say once you hit 35, the risks of something going wrong mm. heightens. The risks of something being wrong with the baby is bigger. You know, and your your mind is constantly going. You know, the, the thoughts of, are, are we ready? And, you know, when me and Brendan were talking about it, it was kind of more a case of, there's always going to be a reason not to try. There's always going to be a reason not mm. to put it off and stuff like that. But it was just, he kind of went, right, okay, fuck it, let's do mm. it. Right, let's go on one big holiday first. <laughs> one last blowout <laughs> before we one have no fucking blowout. money left. <laughs> Absolutely, before this little tiny person bleeds and strike. Mm. Uh, but we did, we went off, we went to America, we kind of had one last big, uh, big massive holiday. And then when we came home, then we said, right, let's, let's start trying and take it from there. Mm. Then Brendan, as I know, I'm obviously being the, being the huge romantic, he, he, you know, swooned and, you know, he treated you like the lady that you are with flowers and I'm sure it was a beautiful moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's he should be listening to all these dickhead if he is listening to this one <laughs> should be fucking listening to them all don't have me talking about you and you're not even he listening to me so you decided to have kids brendan stepped up in all his chivalry and romance and he wooed <clears> you and <throat> was it you know were you pregnant fast or was there you know did it take a while to get pregnant? No, we were kind of, we were lucky in so far as it was three months um, and I was pregnant within three months and, you know, I waited so long to see a positive pregnancy test. I remember kind of sitting there staring at it. I still have a picture in the memory box in, in the bedroom, sitting staring at the words going, holy shit, you know, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, and even though it was relatively fast, three months isn't a long time to be trying mm-hmm. I think for me, once we've made up our mind to start trying, three months felt like three years. With, mm. But before we you know, before so we get to that positive uh, test, uh, mm. Amy, uh, what was it like? And I don't think a lot, because in, in my own experience and people I've known and clients and stuff like that, you know, that's getting your period every month when mm. you're trying can be a very difficult experience. Yeah. Did, did you have that? Oh, absolutely. You know, because like that, as I was saying, you spend your 20s trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> so you assume once I stop, on birth control mm. and we have unprotected sex mm. i'm going to get pregnant mm. instantly you know you hear about people who have sex once in two years and boom, yeah, they're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. you know so i was expecting that first month to be pregnant and when i remember doing a test the morning my period was due done a test and it was negative i was disgusted and devastated mm. you would have thought you know that it was the worst thing in the world because i was genuinely expecting it then i got my period that afternoon and I remember going and sitting in the toilet and work crying my eyes out. Because I was like, I'm not pregnant. What's wrong? Straight away, I went to the worst case scenario mm. that there was something wrong because it didn't happen straight away. And it was awful. You know, and I remember texting Brendan telling him that, you know, the test was negative this morning and he was working at the time. Test was negative, got me period. And he was like, Amy, it's the first month. Let's just enjoy this. Mm. And I was like, oh, absolutely not we will not enjoy this process <laughs> i need to be pregnant straight away mm. that know, means i have to have sex with yeah. you again <laughs> yeah it's like oh god <laughs> <Fuck's sake. laughs> so first month i mean does does that lead into uh, and again i'm going off experience of you know many clients have had that have gone through this process so in that effort to mm. get pregnant 
lot of anxiety, a lot of stress then coming up as your as your period is due each month. Am I pregnant? Am I not? What's going to happen? Yeah. Tension can be there. Anxiety can be there. Stress can Absolutely. be there. And it's it sends you kind of it sends you a bit mad. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Like the first month, it was a case of like I had a stereotypical twenty eight days like so I should have ovulated around day fourteen. Mm. So the next month, I went off and bought ovulation sticks straight away because I was like, I'm not prepared to wait. Mm. My mind just immediately went from, I should have got pregnant first month, I didn't. Now, I know I'm a bit of a control freak anyway, but it was merely a case of, I'm taking control of this situation. I need to know exactly what's going <laughs> on. I need to know when I'm ovulating. Brendan needs to come home from work if he's in work. <laughs> and this is going to happen because it sent me a bit mad straight away. I was surprised at how kind of, when I look back now, I kind of lost control a little bit. Mm. Instead of like that, just enjoying the process, mm. it was only one month. You know, it was fine. It, it would There was no reason why it wasn't going to happen that I knew of. You know, it was just a really kind of neurotic time. It kind of sent me a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, that plays into the relationship then? I mean, tensions between yourselves, arguments or bickerings and stuff like that? Yeah, well, it was more a case of, <laughs> he used to say to me, can you not, don't tell me when you're ovulating. Mm. Because it was just the pressure on him then as well, yeah. you know, and like, obviously he works shift work. So the pressure on him and, but but obviously by the way I was, he knew I was ovulating because I didn't normally wait for him to come home at two o'clock in the morning. And I'd jump on him in the bed. <laughs> as he get in, in the fact, door. I would, I'd be snoring in the bed, whereas he'd open the, the bedroom door and I'd be sitting there waiting and he'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, because it became so structured. Yeah, yeah. And just so I'm ovulating, we must have sex whether you want to or not. Yeah, and look, it's it's very common. I've, and I've seen it in a lot of clients. And, you know, and yeah. you know what I, what I invariably end up saying to them is, stop trying. Remember, sex is supposed to be a pleasurable experience because you're putting so much pressure on it so much stress around it that, that you're taking all that out and then for the next you know week or two weeks when you're waiting to find out it's just fraught mm-hmm. with anxiety and stress and as he used to say to me as well it would be nice to have sex outside of your ovulation window mm. i w- without realizing i would kind of push him away when i wasn't ovulating and he kind of as, and it's weird when you say this about a man, but he kind of found a little bit used. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen know, that before, like, yeah. Like, yeah. I've got kind of, hopefully, what I need from you for this month. Mm. Now go away from me. I don't need you. Yeah, yeah. Which, when looking back now, is very unfair, you know, on a man as well. Mm. It's kind of like, I need you because I need you for what I need you for. Yeah. But yet, outside of that kind of ovulation, three or four days, go away from mm. me. You know, and it's not, it's not a nice thing to do. And it's not a conscious thing that you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. It's afterwards when you look back that you go, Jesus, I did that. But again, it's that craziness mm. that your brain goes through. But that just that like, pressure, just that pressure you had on yourself to, to get yeah, pregnant. Yeah, I've made up my mind, my mind to get pregnant and now it has to happen mm. and it's not happening and you're just in your head so much mm. that you do, you go a little bit mad. So first month it didn't happen, second month it didn't happen, third month? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Go man, brain. <laughs> and then was like, thanks be to Jesus, this neurotic lunatic is going to leave me alone now. <laughs> what was that like yeah, what was like, that like to to see that to see that positive oh it was amazing like i balls i was waving at him and he was like 
I mean, there was me and that kind of stuff waving at me. You know, I kind of forgot. Now, the little cat was on the end. Yeah. Of it long, but I was saying, look, 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 look. And he was just going, you're just waving this at me. <laughs> but to be fair, I, mean, I suppose as a man as well, you kind of, I was thinking about it from my point of view. Mm. I wasn't thinking about how he was feeling each month when I got my period. Mm. Was he thinking, Jesus, I hope my swimmers are working. Mm. What if they're not? This neurotic lunatic wants kids. What if there's something wrong with me? Mm. And I can't fulfill what she wants. Will she walk? Because it's not happening. Is it my fault? Mm. I wasn't thinking about it from his point of view. I was only thinking about it from my point of view and what I wanted and why it wasn't happening for me. Whereas when he's seen that positive test as well, I think he was going, thank God, everything everything was working on my part yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, so, but he didn't, being a man, he was just like, great. That was Let's it. Let's get a takeaway. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think his actual response was more wine for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were pregnant. What happened then? Mm-hmm. So everything was going well. Mm. Um, feeling a bit queasy at times. Loved feeling a bit queasy. Because I meant you were pregnant. Um, <clears throat> because I was pregnant. I, I wouldn't be a great sleeper. Um, I kind of suffered from insomnia on and off since my mum died. And I would have been able to sleep for Ireland. It was amazing. The first trimester is the best cure for insomnia. Mm. And um, I was in work one day, going to the loo, and it was the teeniest, teeniest, tiniest bit of blood. Enough that I wasn't even sure whether it was there or mm. not. Um, I was nine weeks and five days, and I was due to go for a scan. We were going private. I was due to go for a scan um, the following week. And I had the tiniest bit of blood, and I rang Brendan, and he was at home at the time. And I said to him, look, the tiniest bit of blood. And he was kind of going, look, it'll be fine. You know, it's grand. And I was like, yeah. And then I went to the toilet a little while later and it was there again. So I said to him, look, I'm going to go down to the hospital. Meet me there. I, in my wildest dreams, didn't think there was anything wrong. Mm. All I thought was, I'm going to get to see the baby early. Happy days. <laughs> um, so we went down to the hospital and he went, No pain or anything, nothing. Just, it was only that not, tiny nothing. drop of blood. And even when I say blood, it was... It wouldn't have even been enough that was on a cotton bud. Right, okay. So it was that minute. Mm. It was only because I was a bit neurotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I was looked at the tissue. Um, so we were brought in for a scan anyway, and turns out I didn't know at the time. I have a tilted womb. So when they were doing the scan on my belly, they couldn't see anything. So I had to go out, empty my bladder, and then they had to do what they call a transvaginal scan. Um, so it's actually very funny. They put a little... Um, they put like Vaseline mm. and then they pop a condom onto the probe. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. And they they have to do an internal scan. And the sonographer looked at me, so I would have been nine weeks and five days, and she looked at me and she says, uh, how far pregnant do you think you are? And I looked and I was like, well, I don't think. I said, I'm nine weeks and five days. Trust me, I have an app. Mm. I peed on the sticks. Mm. I know exactly when I got pregnant, mm. you know. And she just looked at me and she says, um, this fetus doesn't have a heartbeat. And I kind of, I looked and I just, I looked at Brendan and I looked at her and I know myself that the heartbeat can start from about six weeks. Mm. So at nine weeks and five days, there should have been a really strong heartbeat mm. there and there was nothing. Um, and she said, going by this scan, this fetus died three weeks ago. And I'm there going, but, like, I felt queasy this morning. You know, I was a bit wishy-washy, like my, like my stomach's in a washing machine. I was like, but... And I just... I didn't understand what she was saying to me. And she said, basically, this looks like a missed miscarriage. A missed miscarriage. So basically, 
a missed miscarriage. So your the, the baby has died, mm. but your body hasn't recognized. Yeah. Your body still thinks it's pregnant. The hormones are still there. Your body is still going through the process like that. I still felt queasy. I was still really tired. And I still, and my body still thought I was pregnant, but the baby had died three weeks previous. Needless to say, I was just like, you, you could have literally knocked me off the bed with a feather. Mm. But they said that what they had to do was bring me back the following week to confirm it and make sure that the baby hadn't grown within that week. Mm. And I, looking back now, I'm like, well, if the baby was three weeks off and there was no heartbeat, but I should have been nine weeks and five days, was there any need to leave me and torture me for a week? Mm. You know, because they said to me, your body might naturally start to miscarry over the next week or it might not. Yeah. Come back in a week, we'll scan you again and we'll, we'll take it from there. So they would have, they would they would look to initiate it, is it? They would look to initiate the miscarriage or Yeah. Well basically we went back the following week then, sat on tender hooks for the week, mm. nothing happened. My body didn't recognise anything. I was still tired, I was still queasy, I was still everything. My body still thought I was pregnant. We were given the tiny little picture. Um and there's me going off Googling the measurements to see if they got it wrong, looking at other people's pictures mm. to see if their measurements were wrong, convinced that they were wrong. Mm. Um, so went back in the following week and measured me again. They confirmed the baby hadn't no grown growth, yeah. and they were starting to, to break away a little bit. So my body, as much as it still thought it was pregnant, the, the sack and everything was starting to crumble. Mm. How was it then? How did well, that we feel? Were given, um, Sorry. We were given the option then. Oh, it was just the, the little bit of hope that you had was just gone. The carpet ripped out from under me and it was basically just going, no, this baby is actually, is on the way to not being here anymore. Mm. You know, and it was just, it just ripped my heart out, if I'm honest. Yeah. This thing you've been looking forward to for so long, this event and this yeah. this little person. Asha, the minute you pee on a stick, like if people say, Asha, you were only early on. Mm. I had that baby dressed first day in school. You know, everything, you know, was, it wasn't just an embryo for me. Yeah. It was a baby, Yeah. you know, and that baby would have started junior infants two weeks ago. You know, mm. and I still... I still remember. I've seen that, and and you you mentioned it there, and I've seen it as quite a common phenomenon of people can be quite dismissive. Hmm. What, did, did you have oh, that experience absolutely. yourself? As the people was, ah, you're only so far gone. I was. To be honest, I had it in the hospital. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. When, just even, I remember the sonographer when I went back the second week to confirm everything you know, that the baby hadn't gone and before all the options were discussed. The woman, she looked at me and she was just so cold. And she looked at me and she says, uh, sure, you were only early, I can try again. Mm-hmm. And I remember Brendan looked at me and looked at her and he's a very readable face. You can just see. <laughs> I can, I, I can just imagine. And I'm, I was just going to say, oh. did he say anything? Because he just looked... And I just kind of, I just shook my head at him because there was no point. One or two of us would have got run out of the hospital. Yeah. And, uh, but just the dismissiveness and the coldness in, right, they might see it 10, 20 times a week. Mm. But this was my baby. Yeah. 
you know and it's like i know they say like it's just like you don't need to be like you know kind of um embarrassed about you know like the the internals and mm. them checking and looking and stuff like that it's something they do all the time it's stuff they see all the time well we aren't used to being the ones that are getting poked in yeah, of course so a little bit of sensitivity would have went like you can see i'm lying there bawling snots tears everything and actually you can try again was the response mm. i just found it really really cold and uncaring you, you hadn't got to have your your, your first scan so but had you worked out due date and all of that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen I've seen I that for a lot of I've seen that for a lot of clients where you know even the anniversary, you know the expected date each year is very difficult. Uh, they tend to be the only person yeah. that remembers, even even partners yep. and stuff don't don't remember. Um, yeah. Have you had that experience as of, as time has gone on? Yeah. Um. The the first anniversary. Um. We went we went away. And um, we had a, we brought a pink and a blue balloon with us, and we let them off. Oh, okay. Um, but even now, Brendan doesn't remember. Mm. And it's it's nothing bad on him. Yeah, he he's not something he purposely does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but like I remember the day he, he was due. I remember the day that I lost him. Whereas Brendan would struggle even with what year it was. Mm. You know, I said it to him a few weeks ago when all the kids were starting a junior infants across the road in the school. You know, I said, "Oh, look." Corey should have been starting and he was like really you know mm. whereas for me it's like how could you not remember yeah, for him yeah. it's like Jesus and it's it's not a bad thing yeah. at all he just doesn't it's just it's just such like an entirely him. different uh, experience for men I think and I see it a lot uh, and, and even for myself you know the pregnancy is an abstract concept for the man you know you yeah. feel it you're, you're, you're noticing change yeah. You know, for the man, it's like, I understand there's something in there, but I have no concept that, of what it is that you experience until that baby comes and, out. You go, oh, shit. Okay, right now, now this is real. Yeah, and it was subsequently afterwards when we were talking about my first pregnancy because like that we didn't get a scan that we could see the baby there. And I remember afterwards kind of talking to him and just kind of, I used to always check in with him and ask him, well, how are you? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? It was your baby as well. And he says to me, I'm going to say this here, and I don't mean it to sound cold, and if it does, I, I'm sorry. Mm. When he said, for me, the baby was just an idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah, yeah. we didn't have a scan where we seen the baby. Mm. I was Obviously, I was early, so I'd no bump. And he said, all I seen was a positive pregnancy test. Yeah, I was just going to say, oh, that's all he has to work on. This is So yeah. this is what this pregnancy is. It's a, it's you waving piss at me. <laughs> exactly. I waving me on, on the whole lot. But as he said, for me, it was an idea. Mm. Whereas for you, you felt it. Yeah. He was a little person for you. Mm. You know, but for me, it was just an idea. So he was like, look, it's shit. But I'm okay. Mm. And in the, the what, six years now since it's happened, He's he's still it's still shit, mm. but he's still okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after after the miscarriage, did you you know was it for want of a better term back in the saddle? Were you you know were you eager to get going again, or did you you know did you take the foot yeah. off? You know, left it, couldn't face no, it. No, we left it for a while to be honest, mm. because I decided to go along and kind of punish myself a little bit. Punish yourself. Um, yeah, why not? You know, when your body, as I felt at the time, had failed me, I was going to punish it. Um, so after the second week and everything was confirmed, I took medication to bring on. I didn't want to be in C. I took medication that brought the miscarried on a home, um, which are very nicely called the abortion tablets. Lovely. 
um yeah it's it makes you feel really good about yourself and mm. um, having to take something to abort a baby mm. that you really wanted yeah they could phrase it a little bit differently but they don't um so after a while uh, i went took maybe three or four weeks off work went back to work then and immediately went to the gym went back spinning and kind of I think looking back I was punishing my body I felt like my body had failed me and I was punishing mm. like I ended up kind of low on iron then because of everything my body had been through and passing everything at home and a lot of recovery I didn't let my body recover mm. and I just kind of wanted to not forget but just get back to some kind of normality and I used to go to the gym three nights a week I was going spinning three nights a week and I, I burnt myself out mm. you know just trying to to kind of get back to some kind of normality I think I just really exhausted myself and I ended up back out at work again yeah true exhaustion true just yeah. that burnout yeah yeah I was low on iron and I was just because obviously I, I bled a lot mm. um and then I didn't give my body a chance to heal. Like, didn't take iron tablets, didn't eat enough protein, didn't look after myself, didn't nourish myself properly. Mm. Um, then was doing, overdoing things. I just kind of hit a wall and boom, was out of work for a couple of weeks. Um, and then kind of, when I kind of got my head around, right, okay, I need to look after myself a bit better. There's, they say, the statistics, one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage, mm. which I didn't know mm. at the time. Wow, that's um, I didn't know anyone who'd lost a baby either. Or so I thought. Mm. Um, it turns out that when we told, because we literally the weekend before we lost the baby, or we found out we'd lost the baby, we told all of Brendan's family. We made a big announcement um, that I was pregnant. Mm. And so obviously then we Brendan had to go and tell them that I'd lost the baby and everything like that. So it was only when we were telling people what had happened and it turns out that somebody very close to me had also lost a pregnancy previous that I never knew. Mm. Um, and it was only because of me losing our, our baby that she reached out and told me that she lost a pregnancy as well. I couldn't believe it. You know, it was one of those, it's a club that you don't ever want to be a member in. Mm. But when you open the door to it, you see so many familiar faces in it. And it's so weird because no one talks about it. Yeah. For that same reason, just so difficult to acknowledge the loss or because of yeah, the and, expect and dismissive nature. Yeah, and that's why they say, like, you know, oh, don't tell people you're pregnant until the 12 mm. weeks have elapsed. It's like, well, if you lose a pregnancy, why shouldn't you talk about it? Mm. Like, why should it be a secret? Because other people will feel uncomfortable. So what? You know, and I had no one to talk to at the time because I didn't know anyone that had lost a baby. So when I came home from the hospital that day and I was told it was a missed miscarriage, come back next week, and I had to Google it. I had to Google what was going to happen because the hospital didn't tell me anything. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I'd never heard of a missed miscarriage before. Mm. I didn't, the hospital didn't actually tell me what it was. I, had, I found out myself that it was my body still thinking I was pregnant when the baby had died. I found all of this out over Google. Mm. You know yourself, if you Google something, yeah, the horror yeah. stories that come up with, it was just... But the, in I, the information they didn't give you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had to find it myself, and then you find information that you don't need to know either. Yeah. You know, it was awful. It really was. It was such a lonely place, mm. and a scary place, because then, like, I've I'd never been in hospital before. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what to expect, you know, and... 
everyone's miscarriage is different. Some people spontaneously do it themselves, other people don't. Mm. Some people will go into hospital for a procedure. You know, so even though you might talk to someone who's had a miscarriage, their experience might be completely different. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was the first miscarriage. Was there subsequent ones? There was. There was another one. Mm. Um, so about seven, eight months later, I was kind of going, right, okay. I think I've got myself to a point where I'm ready to try again. Mm. One in four. We've had the one. It's not going to happen again. Um, we were just very unlucky and the whole lot. So Brendan was like, oh, God, strap myself in. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> but from the experience of the first one, I was like, already, boom, back out with my ovulation sticks. You know, like my neurotic crazy head was back on. Mm. Like, right, let's do this. First month, I was pregnant. You know, it was like, wow, this is brilliant. I have this dead into a teen. How I know exactly what my body is mm. doing. And everything, I was like, brilliant. He was in bed. He comes down the stairs again. I'm waving the piss at <laughs> And he just went, Jesus Christ, that was fast. He was going away again. Going, yes. <laughs> Oh, fucking absolutely. nailed it. Come on, Brandon. High five. Yeah. I think he actually was a little bit chuffed himself that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a man. It's a man thing. Like, yeah, it's a man thing. Yeah. He was kind of going, damn, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, like Can I go play golf <laughs> to celebrate? <laughs> you know what? I actually think he might go and play golf. Go on, you've earned it, you legend. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and then there's the elation again, you know, but. You know, that one was, whilst it was kind of, the outcome was the same. It was a completely different loss. I had the, the second one. So um, how, how, how did I the second one go down? I started bleeding myself. Right. I started bleeding myself this time, but it wasn't like the first one, where it was just like a little cotton mm, bud kind mm. of little. It was when I went to the loo, I was like, oh, there's blood there. And it was very obvious. No, no question there. about it this time. You know, and from, no, from the minute I peed on the stick, I was obviously checking every single time after my first experience and I never relaxed in the second pregnancy mm-hmm. because of what happened the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was checking constantly and then when the blood was there, I just got this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was like, and again, it happened actually at work again. And I was just like, oh, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this again. I was like, I, I can't do this again. And one of the girls in work came in into the bathroom and I was just standing there washing my hands crying and she knew she knew about my first loss and she was like you okay and I just looked at her and she just went oh Jesus Christ because I'd only told her a couple of days previous I was pregnant so how far um, gone were you this time I was eight weeks this time and so I literally just picked up my handbag and got into the car and went to the hospital to get a scan she was like, look, I'll tell, I'll tell your boss, it's, it's fine, mm. I'll sort it out, I'll make up something. I was like, I don't care what you say to anyone, I'm just getting up and leaving, I don't care. And mm. um, went to the hospital, Brendan was working close by at the time, so he met me there. Um, we went in, and I said to them, you know, my bladder was already empty, I knew I had the, the tilted womb, so again, Vaseline, condom on, mm-hmm. in they went. And there was the baby, heartbeat, popping away, everything was fine. Um, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I was like, but I'm bleeding. And they said, look, bleeding is and can be normal in pregnancy. Yeah, it can be yeah. absolutely fine. It's not always a bad thing. So I was just like, oh my God, it was the first time we'd seen a baby that had a heartbeat. 
you know, it was, oh my God. And even Brendan was like, oh my God, this, like, Jesus. Mm. It was amazing. Off we were sent with our little picture this time, but a happy picture because mm. the baby was alive. But the bleeding didn't stop. And just something didn't feel right. But because of my previous loss, they'd said, look, we'll bring you back, you know, in another two weeks into the early pregnancy unit and we'll scan you again. So that was fine. The bleeding was on and off for them two weeks. And we went back. Baby was absolutely fine again. Grown exactly the way she Mm. should. Everything was Mm. perfect. The bleeding was still there, but everything was fine. And there, there was the little heartbeat fluttering away. And we were both like, Jesus Christ, like, this is amazing. But a couple of days later, I was just sitting, I was sitting here at home and I just kept saying to Brendan, this is, it, this isn't okay. Something is wrong. And it was just like, Jesus Christ, we had a scan five days ago. Mm. Everything was fine. Mm. And he actually says to me, are you going to be like this during this whole pregnancy? Because <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I can't. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I was like, there's something wrong. I know there's something wrong. And I said, I'm booking a private scan. And he says to me, if you're going to be booking the private scan every week of this pregnancy, you are going to bankrupt mm. the two of us. He says, well, if it shuts you up and if it will just stop this crazy, fair enough. So we booked it for, it was a bank holiday weekend. We booked it for the Tuesday. Um, went up on the Tuesday. So I would have been 11-ish weeks going on for the 12 weeks. So it should have been a belly scan. Uh, bladder was full. Went in. They kind of put the, the, the scanner on my stomach. Again, couldn't really see great because of the tilted mm. womb. Went in, entered my bladder, condom on, in it went. And the woman just looked at me. And I just looked at Brendan and I was like, I can't do this. And she just went, I'm very sorry. The baby had died five days previous. But this time, my body was kind of recognising it because mm. that bleeding never mm. really stopped. You know, um we were walking out of the the plate the room and the woman gave me an, a letter to go to the hospital to start the process again mm. and she says um because of the outcome there's no charge for this scan so it was like you would have preferred to pay like the 200 euro yeah. you know but it was again that whole flippancy because i was so early on mm. asha look we won't charge it sorry about that see you now bye off you go um so we went to the hospital they scanned me they checked and because the baby had a heartbeat in the two previous scans and the heartbeat was gone we didn't have to wait for the week to confirm it this time yeah. they gave me the medication sent me home and the process started again then what was that one like for you then that one wasn't as bad to be honest um the first one was pretty horrific mm. um but this one this one wasn't too bad. The pain wasn't too bad. And um, I think because my body was already kind of breaking things down because there was bleeding at this stage for like five weeks, um, it wasn't as bad as the first one. Um, we had to go back then the following week to be scanned to make sure everything is gone. Um, and it was. Yeah. And they just said, look, everything looks okay. No damage, no nothing. You're fine. We're, we're dismissing you. You're kind of, you're fine. Everything is where it should be. Mm. Was that the last? Was that the last miscarriage? Yeah. Um, we were sitting in the hospital that day and Brendan looked at me and I looked at him and I said, look, I'm not ready to stop trying for a family, mm. but I'm not doing this again. We'd had two losses in 10 months mm. and I was like, 
because we hadn't had three losses, you can only get um, tests if you have three miscarriages in a row. Yeah, yeah. So you won't be tested. They just call it. But they're that, not testing if there's any fertility problems or anything, unless exactly, you've had three. Exactly. Exactly. And it has to be three in a row. If you've had a successful pregnancy in the middle, right. but you've had three, say if you've had two miscarriages, a successful pregnancy, and then the count starts again. The count starts again, yeah. Which is kind of cruel. Mm. You know, so I just said to him, look, I'm not finished trying, but I'm not going through this again. This is not happening again. The neurotic control freak in me, I was like, I'm taking control back of this situation. Um, so we went and got private tests done. Um, to see if there was anything wrong. Expensive process, Amy. As I hear, oh, you know, a private geez. scan, private test. You know. Absolutely. Like there was, there was two um, two blood tests I had to have done um, in the comb, and they were like eight hundred quid. <sighs> or not in the comb, sorry, in the beacon. Jesus. Um, they were eight hundred euro, and then there was another six, seven, eight um, from the the doctor as well, and there was lots of um, scans just mm. from the, the specialist mm. to make sure there was nothing going on the inside of me that was anything wrong. Mm. Um, but all of our test results came back borderline. So there was nothing technically wrong. Yeah. Um, Brendan didn't need to be tested at that stage because I was getting pregnant fine. Um, it was only if they kind of thought that there might have been something wrong with the fetus that they would have tested him. Mm. So the tests were all on me. Well, what, what was that like um, for you then, Amy? That, well, well, you know the, 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 you know the issue's not on Brendan's end. So in your head, are you going, well, it must be me. I'm, I'm the problem. Yeah. yeah yeah it was like a woman this is the most natural thing in the world supposedly mm. for a woman to mm. be able to do but why does my body keep rejecting my babies why can't i do it yeah as far as i knew no one in my family like i i had two sisters and mammy and none of them had been through a loss mm. um but yeah i'd had two why is it because i left it so late in my, my mid-30s, is it because I didn't do it when I was younger? Well, I could have done it when I was younger, but then my baby's dad would have been a dickhead, mm. you know? So <laughs> I waited to find a good person to be the father of my kids, but then we couldn't do it. Why? And of course, it was my, I was able to get pregnant, but my body couldn't do it, so of course it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Third time lucky then, Amy. What happens on, on the next positive? Third time lucky. So before um before I got pregnant the third time, I started going for just kind of holistic treatments. Um a girl I was working with um at the time, she said to me about had my body ever healed? Mm-hmm. And I was going healed, sure, I'll punish it as much mm-hmm. as I can. Sure, of course it's not going to heal. And she said to me about healing my body from the inside. And preparing it for a healthy pregnancy. Mm. And I was kind of going, this is all nice and airy fairy and stuff like that. But realistically, I know how to get pregnant, yeah. you know. But I just kind of went, you know what? If it helps, and she's a, she was lovely and she was a bit mad. So I was like, you know what? If it helps, I'll go and I'll see what this mm. kind of, what she's talking about. It sounds a bit airy fairy, but mm. sure. I'd spent a fortune on tests and stuff like that. Sure, a nice treatment to be grand. Mm. Um. So I started having um, fertility massage and fertility reflexology. Um, so the massage is just purely on the abdomen mm. and it's, it's massaging the womb and the abdomen and stuff like that. And it's kind of, it's helping the body to clear and heal and move anything that's congested and kind of stuck in the abdomen. 
and then the fertility reflexology then was helping my body heal from the inside and balance the hormones and stuff and obviously there's been a lot of spikes in hormones and up and down and being pregnant and not being pregnant and medication and stuff like that so it was helping detoxify my body and helping it to heal so done that for a few months and then i was pregnant again Mm. brendan gets another round of golf you get pregnant and got another round of golf, there was another pea stick being shook around the house. Fuck's sake, Amy. Every time I have to put on a fucking rain jacket. Yeah. I know, it's like, Jesus Christ, get out the umbrella. Um, and this time, but this time it was like, I got pregnant and I told everybody. I was like, if this pregnancy doesn't last, I'm not going to hide it. Because mm. my pregnancies existed, mm. my babies existed, and I need support if it's not going to work. Okay. So I literally peed on the stick and went into work the next day and told all my friends. I was like, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And they were all going, yay, oh fuck, mm. yay. Mm. It was like, Jesus, this neurotic lunatic is going to just crumble if this doesn't work this yeah. time. But I didn't hide it. I told I told everyone. I would have told a stranger in the street. Like, mm. um, and everything was fine. She's, she's four in November. You know, I didn't relax once. Mm. I... Every time I weed, I was inspecting the tissue to an inch of its life. Um, every scan, I was expecting something to go wrong. What was it like then um, to have that first scan and be told, yeah, oh, all good. so this is your, what, 12-week scan, is it? Is the first one, or did you uh, have one no, before that? I got one at seven. Okay. And eight. Private again? And nine. All oh, right. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I was batshit crazy on that third pregnancy. Um, it was, I didn't relax every kind of, I stopped spinning, I stopped in the gym, I stopped everything mm-hmm. the minute I mm-hmm. found out I was pregnant because the times previous when I was told the day that the baby had died, I went back in the calendar and was thinking, well, what did I do on that day? Did I cause it? Was there something that I did that made my body stop growing this baby? Mm-hmm. So when I got pregnant on my daughter, the minute I got pregnant, I stopped everything. I practically put myself in bubble wrap and didn't come out for the nine months. Mm. You know, it was, it was really kind of, it was challenging because I was trying to be mother earth. I was trying to be, oh my God, this is amazing and fantastic mm. and wonderful. Mm. And inside I was going, Jesus Christ, Jesus ball Christ, Jesus Christ. You know, and I was, I was an absolute ball of stress, but I carried on once I passed the 12 weeks, I carried on with my, holistic treatments I mm. carried every two weeks I was in because I was commuting up and down to Dublin at the time so I was very stressed and I was sitting in traffic a lot and so I tried to kind of keep that up mm. so every two weeks I was having treatments just to try and calm down the crazy to be quite honest because I was <laughs> an absolute ball of nerves yeah, and I was trying not to have that coming across to the baby because obviously they can feel mm. what's happening mm. you know and they know why so I was trying to kind of control it a little as much as I could I was never did you I ever relax into it, Amy? Did you ever relax into the pregnancy and go, oh, look, yeah, we've, we've got so far now, we're, we're, we're going yeah. to be all right now? Even up until I was five days away from being 40 weeks and went up for a scan, and even then, I'd be still waiting to be told. I remember this sonographer was a bit like, hmm, I'm just not sure about these days and the whole lot, and I was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I've got near the end, and now I'm going to lose it. Oh, we knew fuck. we were having a girl. Now I'm going to lose her. I was waiting during the whole pregnancy at every single stage. I even bought one of those Dopplers, the thing mm, you can scan yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not recommended because you can't always find the baby. Mm. And I have a tilted womb. Mm. 
So the baby would have been at the wrong angle for me to be using that mm. a lot of the time. But I still bought one. It still drove myself crazy. I know there is a little Tory out there. What was it like then? There is a little Tory out there. <laughs> what was it like then when you get there, it happens? Oh my God. Like, I remember even just the, the night she was born. When she, like, when she came out, I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, and, but even when I was in labour, towards the end, they were saying that I was nearly 24 hours in labour. She was getting lazy and tired, mm-hmm. just like her father. Um, <laughs> he works shifts, Amy. He's out there protecting the streets for us. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, at the end, they were like, you know, baby is getting a little bit tired and a little bit kind of her heart rate is dropping a little bit. Mm. We need to get her out now. Mm. And this is me in labour going, oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, here we go. And I just went, I don't care what you do, just get her here safely. You can cut me from head mm. to toe. I don't care. Mm. Just get her here safely. And when she came out, when she came out, she didn't cry. But it's not that there was anything wrong. Mm. She just opened her eyes and eyeballed. <laughs> Even then, like this little sass of an attitude. <laughs> and I'm just going, Daddy's oh my God, girl. Okay? she okay? <laughs> yeah, she just like literally just looked at them. Mm. And they obviously they brought the, I had, a, had to have an episiotomy, so they call it an assisted birth. So there was a few more people in the room just mm. to make sure, mm. check it over, make sure it was okay. And, uh, they, uh, they were all looking at her and I was like kind of straining my head trying to look and I was like, is she okay? Is she okay? And the, the doctor looked at me and went, this baby is absolutely fine. I don't need to be here. Wow. You know, and it was just, they gave her to me and I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. This, this little person's mine. Mm. Now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, now you've got all the rest of the fucking bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I hadn't actually, if I'm honest. I hadn't even thought about what I was supposed to do when the baby got here. Mm. My whole focus was getting Just the baby Just get to that point. Yeah. You know, and then I was looking at her going, oh, Jesus Christ, you were 100% dependent on me. Mm. Holy shit. <laughs> What's motherhood been like for you now? You know, to get her here? To be honest, I still don't think I've relaxed. Right. I still check she's breathing every night before I go to sleep. And... Like, obviously, she's in her own room, mm. and, um, like, I come into her room every night. I'm actually doing this from her room. Um, I come into her room every night, and I put my hand, if I can't see her chest rising yeah, and falling, yeah. I put well, my hand on. to make sure. <laughs> see if the, if the blanket is rising. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's because of my, my previous losses mm. that I'm one of these, as they call them, helicopter parents. Mm. Um, or, but she, she was allergic to... Um, dairy and egg when she was a baby and at six weeks went into anaphylaxis oh jesus so i was like right this is it now i'm gonna lose her mm. i'm gonna lose her now you know anytime anything happens just that constant expectation it, that this is yeah, it this is it at some point i'm going to lose her is this it mm. you know and like she's nearly four and i still i suppose deep down have that part of me going am I going to lose her? Am I going to come in one night? Is she going to be blue? Is she breathing? Is she all right? Like, I still wake up in the middle of the night and I sometimes I'll just get out of the bed and come in and just get in beside her. Because mm. I feel like, right, I'm close to her now. She's okay, I'm here. That anxiety hasn't gone away for you? No, I suppose not. Like, and it's, I think only talking to you and saying it out loud has made me actually realise that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I think... If it wasn't, though, I think I went to counselling a few years ago, though, mm. um, I wouldn't have been able to sit and talk about losing my two pregnancies. Mm. Um, and I know I've kind of 
and wiping the eyes a little bit talking about it. Mm. But I wouldn't have been able to actually have this conversation yeah. if it wasn't for, I went to a counsellor who, funnily enough, had had losses herself. Mm. Um, she told you that? Actually, she did. Yeah. You know, and it was amazing because I couldn't believe it. Mm. She was like, she was lovely. She was so open and honest with me. Good. And she shared her story. Like she never got a baby here safely. Yeah, this is this, and this is you know? in therapy terms, you know, of people that go, well, you should never self-disclose. I mean, here's here's the benefit of the self-disclosure that you know it probably built a greater bond, a therapeutic relationship between the two of you. That this woman you know, actually knew weird. what you went through. The fact that she she did that, she actually went and she got her memory box and she showed me the memory box that she had for her own losses, mm. and she spoke to me about. Um, I I never named my my two babies, mm. and she said to me initially at the start when I started counselling with her about have I named them? Did I give them names? And I said no, it mm. just didn't feel right. Mm. And she told me her story, and by the end of my time with her, she told me, you know, I've done what I needed to do for you. You don't need me anymore. Mm. Um, I'll always be here mm. for you if you ever need to talk, but you don't need me anymore. Mm. By the time that had come to an end. I'd named my two babies. Mm. You found some some resolution around it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think I do talk about it now mm. because if people had spoke about it a little bit more before, I mightn't have been so scared. I mightn't have felt like I needed to go to Google to, yeah, to yeah. get information. Yeah. And as much as it's a taboo subject, people are talking about it more. Like Rosanna Davidson, like the amount of losses she's had. Mm. And the amount of just awareness that she brought by talking has been amazing. Mm. And people just talking about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's incredible. And then the more people who like that talk about her and then someone else will say, well, I've had a loss or I've had or, you know, it's yeah. it's something now that yeah. kind of I nearly would talk about on a semi-regular basis. Mm. Normalising it, which is exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast yeah. to normalise these these difficult conversations and Absolutely. to bring it out into the open. Since yeah. since then, yeah. you've you've gone on to have a change in career, and what what yeah. do you do now? It has kind of informed what you do now, Amy. Um, well, before um, before all of this, before yeah. my losses, before trying my journey on trying to be a mother. Um, I used to work in HR, mm. so I used to hire and fire people and pay their wages. And as, as I said to a girlfriend, who used to have to work in HR. You put the fucking inhuman, inhuman resources. I was a lovely HR manager. Yeah, me. HR is just a fuck. It's just there to cover the company's hours. That's all. Everyone and knows. To be honest, it. I was one of them HR managers that used to bring people out for pints. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I started off that and mm. now i'm a holistic therapist mm. a holistic I'm, therapist what, what does that entail then amy so basically the the person who i went to for treatments and mm. um, to help me get tori here safely mm. so the person who i had the the fertility massage and the fertility reflexology from i'm now that person mm. um wounded healer as we call it in I therapy trained, yeah yeah so the person who at the time was my therapist became my teacher mm. Um, she actually had a training school and I went and I've done all of my training with her mm. um, I now do massage and reflexology and I would have a massive interest in the fertility stuff mm. so I would do fertility reflexology and fertility massage so I give the treatments that I got mm. so I've been 
on the bed and now I'm the person treating the person on the bed, mm. you know, and I think having that experience is just, it's different. Instead of me asking a lot of intrusive questions in a consultation, and they're very intrusive. Oh, yeah, I have to yeah. get into a lot of detail and yeah. stuff like that, and I need to know a lot of information. Because I've been there myself, I don't feel like I'm prying anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell people my story as well. Obviously, a shortened yeah, version. Yeah. Um, but because I do have to ask questions, I always say to them, look, I haven't learned this in through a book. I've been there as well. Mm. I had a journey mm. and I came out the other side. And you just see people softening. You see people relaxing a little bit more because they know you've been there. Yeah. You've it's received relatable. the treatment yeah. yourself and the fact that it, it worked for me. Mm. You know, I think gives a lot of people hope as well. And sometimes when you tell people you've been there yourself, I only had a client two weeks ago. She had a lot of failed IVF and she's come to me to try and help her body heal mm. and follow a more natural route. When I told her I'd been there myself, she hadn't seen that part of my website. She mm. burst into tears mm. and she said that she'd no one to talk to. No. Oh. And she didn't know. She, none of her friends knew they were going to IVF. None of her family knew. Mm. And she just she had a failed round and she just burst in crying, mm. you know, and just to be able to help people. And sometimes people will talk to their treatments and they'll talk to you about what's happened. Yeah. And I can't help. I can listen, though. Mm. It you makes a difference. You mentioned your website there, Amy. Can you can you let people know if they would like to get in contact for your services, how they can do so? Websites yeah, or Facebook or whatever. It's just mm. And the Facebook page is the same as well, amyeganholistic.com. Great. So that was straight talking miscarriages, a very difficult subject and a very emotional subject for a lot of people, not just Amy, but I know it is something that is does affect many, many people. We're so grateful for Amy coming on and sharing with such honesty her own experience. We hope you like what you heard. If you did, feel free to give us a rating. If you're using iTunes, you can pop on there. You can you know, leave a rating for the show, leave a rating for the episodes. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not too sure on that one. You can subscribe. You can make sure to follow on Spotify, get your notifications and all of that. If you want to hit us up on the social media, you can do that. You know where to find us by now, folks. Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you're on Twitter, STMH Podcast. If you're at the website, stmhpodcast.com. And if you want to hit us up with some feedback, if you'd like to be a guest, if you'd like us to cover a topic, you know, hit us up on the email. That is hello at stmhpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We love getting all your feedback. Please give a like, a share, a comment on any of the things that you may see on social media. If you comment on Facebook, other people are going to see that. That's going to draw attention to the website and they may get something else. As we hope a lot of you have, well, we know a lot of you have so far. You have got taken a lot from the website and we're very grateful for that. Big shout out to Fiona Bryan for the podcast music. Amazing producer, beat maker. You want to get hooked up for all the hot tunes? He's your man to go to. You get him up on Facebook and he's on FOB Beats. If you're a singer, rapper, no matter what you want, he's a man that's going to look after you. So as you know, folks, every week we leave the last word with our guest. Amy's going to do that. And we're so grateful again for her to coming on. We're going to talk to you again next week. And of course, we'll have another great guest for you to check out. But in the meantime, folks, look after yourself and look after each other. Amy, one of the things we do on the podcast for every guest that comes on is at the end, we invite them to share some words of wisdom, some life learnings they've taken from life so far, some motto they live by, or just something that they'd like to share with the rest of the world. I'll throw that over to you today to maybe offer something from your own point of view for everyone else. Oh, well, way to put me on the spot there. I'm going to tell you about this. You should have been fucking listening to the podcast all along, Amy. You would have known. <laughs> got to do your research. <laughs> Just hung yourself. <laughs> um, What would I say? Um, 
It's shit. It's lonely. Mm. It's scary. But you're not on your own. Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. The mind is a terrible thing to